Hallelujah. First of all, I thank the Almighty God for this opportunity to meet you in his presence this morning. Say amen. Um, as the Pastor Prince was uh, doing the introduction, uh, I was wishing that he would not go any further. Um, but it is my passion, and it has been so, if you like, from John's baptism. You know, when they had to elect, they had to do a by-election to, to replace Judas after he committed the suicide. There were some conditions for qualification. They said, among other things, that the person must have seen Jesus Christ with his own eyes, not Ake Ake. So in other words, you should have been with them at the time Jesus had not ascended into heaven. So you must have seen him with your own eyes. And also, and that you must have walked with us from John's baptism up to the resurrection. Amen. So, for youth and everything about youth, uh, it's been my passion from John's baptism up to the resurrection. In my days in secondary school, I was scripture union president, and at the University of Science and Technology, as we called it then, uh, I was a Christian fellowship president. And it, it has left me in no doubt that if you want a ministry to flourish and go between generations unto generations, then you don't look further from the youth because they are the ones who are going to carry whatever the fathers have as a mission and vision, both for themselves and to the next generation and perhaps also unto the next generation. So it has been my passion and there's no wonder that I am here. I am here. I had to drive for 10 hours on Friday to be able to come here so that I can be here this morning. The, the scripture that you read, who can tell me very quickly one common phrase that if you were doing statistics and marking the frequencies, you would have said that that is the modal phrase in the whole scripture. As the Lord commanded. I lost count how many times he said, and Moses did as the Lord commanded. Uh, young people, if you are going to make it into heaven, and even before into heaven, if you are going to live a life that is pleasing to God, and a life that is pleasing to God and fruitful to your church, for, to your generation, to your family, and to Ghana and the world at large, you have to do according to the commandments of the Lord. Amen. Okay, so let's, let's, let's have a, a prayer. Father, we are grateful to you this morning for your kindness and for your goodness and for the opportunity you've given us to gather here so that we may hear your word and so that by hearing your word we will be equipped and then built up even for your service, the service that, that pleases you and that is fruitful, and that will go from ourselves to generations upon generations, even hereafter. 
This morning we pray that every mind that is lazing around, we arrest it and stay it here in the name of Jesus. Every heart that is wandering, we bring it into stay in the name of Jesus. Let your word be anointed with power and let it go forth with unction so that all those who hear, they will be thus equipped and built even for your kingdom, both now and forever. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, I think there is COVID-19, which has become very topical. And as young people, uh, I, I, didn't, I, I don't want to go into any topic without telling you how serious this matter is. In fact, until the beginning of this year, all the statistics, the data that we see, we, we, we saw, published, and spoke about, were to me and many people, uh, digits. But as soon as this year began, they stopped being digits. They are people. They are persons, people I know. And some of the situations have come very close to me like this, like this, even last week. My very good friend and brother sent me a picture of one engineer, a very sharp guy. When we were in first year, he was in third year. He was the president of the Ghana Institution of Engineers, the student chapter. He worked with Shell. He had first class. He worked with Shell. And recently, he was with the Ministry of Energy. He sent the picture and said, do you remember this man? And, and Adutum is somebody you have to remember. The man had died of COVID. I said, what? Now, Tum is not the person that doesn't know that we should wash hands. He is not the person you and I should tell what to do to prevent. And yet, it happened to him. There is another famous man who is the chief executive of Ishmael Yamsin and Associates, that consultancy firm. If you have encountered them before. He too, last week, we have all Unilever Managers platform. is put on it that Raymond is gone. What? So the issues must engage your prayer. They must engage your deliberate caution to do what is right and pray to God and leave the rest to him. Amen. I'm telling you, it has come very close like this to me because some engineers were despised from Ministry of Energy working on a GIZ project, coming to our company to look at a best practice of how you convert biomass into energy. And we have a one megawatt steam turbine that is powered by biomass generator steam. And then a half megawatt, which I installed when I was a young engineer in 1992. It's still running. So they, they were coming to, to see that day, I was in a meeting in another district, so I wasn't on site. The engineers were not forthcoming, and my engineers were worried. It was past lunch. All they saw was a phone call from one of those who were coming. He said, uh, sorry, we have bad news for you. We can't come to your place. The reason was that one of them contact tracing from somebody who has been infected, 
had traced him as somebody who is likely to have been infected because he and that person sit in the same office like this. So wherever he was, he should stop and start isolating himself immediately. Now you know what would have happened otherwise. If these people had come to the factory, if I were there, my engineers would bring them to come and greet our boss. So he would have greeted me. Uh, I would have been in isolation by now, not here. See the thing? Now, I was on, not on site that day, so they wouldn't have greeted me. But my engineers are the ones who would have, and, and when I arrived, they, they would have come to tell me, oh, the people came. So, so either way, I, I would have been gone into isolation. So you see how close it is. Now, take note of the following. I'm hoping that I'll be able to finish what I have to do today. Otherwise, uh, I will come again. Do you know that all the things they say we should do are actually scriptural? First of all, the social distancing where in the laws given by Moses. So you will see in Exodus chapter 30, verse 18, they're talking about washing of hands. Washing of hands. It is mentioned there and it is meant for washing of hands is right there and it was meant to keep the people from contracting diseases. In the same way, you will find the same things about keeping a distance and even isolation. In Old Testament, people who contracted certain diseases were even asked to stay outside the camp. It was in all principle and practice what we now call isolation. And covering of face, mask, and things you will find all of them in scripture. And they were some of the commandments Moses gave so that the children of Israel will be protected from certain communicable diseases. So I am urging you as believers to be champions and propagators of the social distancing, the, the face mask, and the washing of hands and all the prevention protocols that we have been told to follow. They are also scriptural. Amen. Now, that's off the way. Today, I'm here to talk to you about the power of God's word. And last week, I'm aware that the authenticity of the word of God has been dealt with. And today, we are going to look at the power of God's word. But let me tell you that it is not enough to know about the power. It is not enough to even talk about the power. If it doesn't go to the point where you encounter that power. Amen. It is not enough to hear about the power, know about the power, read about the power, and even debate about the power and win the debate. All of that, very necessary. But most important is that you 
must encounter that power. And that is where we take it from. Amen. And when we talk about the power of God, uh, you cannot separate the power of God from God. In fact, when you talk about the power of God, in essence, you are talking about God. That is why in John chapter 1, you see that it says that in the beginning, before all time, was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Amen. So let me lay that foundation clear that I'm not going to be making distinction or contradistinction between God and the word. It's the same. Amen. So when it then comes to discussing the power of the word of God, we are talking about the power of God. And when it comes to the power of God, I doubt, I doubt sincerely, whether any of you here has any wonder or questions or doubts about the power of God. Perchance, if you are here and you doubt about the power of God at all, let me see your hand. Don't feel shy. Also, in Romans chapter, Romans chapter, chapter 1, from the verse 19 to 20. I read, for that which is known about God is evident to them and made plain in their inner consciousness. Because God himself has shown it to them. So let me even remove the them and say you. So I take it again. For that which is known about God is evident to you and made plain in your inner consciousness because God himself has shown it to you. For ever since the creation of the world, his nature, his invisible nature and attributes, that is his, his eternal power and divinity have been made intelligible or in other words, known and clearly discernible in and through the things that have been made and surround us. His handiworks for that matter. So, men, so you have no excuse to say that you don't know power of God. No excuse. No human being. He says since creation, God has made it abundantly clear beyond all reasonable doubt, as the lawyers would say. It's been proven and through your inner consciousness, 
the invisible power of God has been made manifest through all the things that surround us. Therefore, you and nobody else for that matter have an excuse not to know God and his power for that matter. Amen. Amen. That is why in the Akan language, there is an old adage that says, Obi entre abo akwada nyame. That means that nobody has to take, go at length or to go to take pains to teach a child about God. It is almost natural that that innate thing about God is even in us as youth, as children, and as everything else. Amen. So, Two foundations or three have been laid that God is his word. His word is God. So the power of God is the power of the word. The power of the word is the power of God. One and the same. No argument. Second is that there is no excuse for anybody. Even those who say they don't believe in God. And, and if you um, some 10 or 15 years ago, I was working on a project, and, and a German engineer had traveled down and uh, to come and commission a machine we bought from their company. Every morning, I would go to Mugua and pick him from his hotel, and we would head to the, to the labor factory where we were working. And that time, I would always tune my radio to Channel R. I always tune my radio to Channel R. And it would either be playing gospel music or a preaching. One day, the German uh, looked at me and said, look, my friend, this, this, uh, every day, this, this is all you are praying about, this God, me, I don't believe those things. We were driving. I was driving. Now, this German was an, an engineer and also a football coach. And he told me that when J.J. Okocha, that Nigerian uh, football international, first went to Germany as a teenager, he was coaching KJ Okocha. But now he tells me he doesn't believe in God and that those things have been playing uh, a whom I kept quiet for a few seconds and I want to believe that God put in me what to tell him. I said, okay, my friend, uh, let me ask you. It is good that you and I are both engineers so we can understand engineering things. This car we are traveling in, and it was a Honda Civic at the time. There are up to, in fact, the engine alone, there are about 20,000 parts that make up an engine. So I said, there are so many parts, and all the parts, not even one, every part, even if it's a pin or a screw, it was designed by some engineer and drawn by a draftman eh? and then produced by a producer. And they were assembled one after the other according to a certain SOP. That is how come this vehicle is there for you and I to ride. Now tell me, will you say or agree that if somebody says, oh, this vehicle, nobody created it, it just came about. Can you believe that as an engineer? Then he started to look at me. And I said, okay, I know you won't believe that. But being engineers, we know what it is. 
So what about we human beings? Are we no more complicated than this machine? And he was quiet. I said, so, there must be some master engineer who designed the human being and made us. It is that human being that we call God, whom we believe. Will you also believe? The German engineer kept quiet. He, he didn't speak about that topic again. I'll not be surprised if by now he has turned born again. Because the word of God is powerful. And very soon we'll see some of, some of the evidence of the power. And I am repeating them just so that we are reminded. Not that we don't know. Because it's been established already that we know even when before we could speak as children, as kids, toddlers, we knew because he put it in us. We were wired with it. It's a chip in us. Amen. Amen. So we know. And in uh, um, Psalm 62 verse 11, there's a certain powerful declaration. He says, God has spoken once. Twice have I heard it. That power belongs to God. Amen. You know why it is only once God has said it? He doesn't need to repeat it. Let people argue and go and come. God has said it once. And you know why it is twice that we have heard it, if not more? It is because we, as human beings, ought to be reminded. Otherwise, Pastor Prince, since he started preaching, he, he should have said, uh, maybe I've, I've preached. <laughs> See, Pastor Majite, you know how many years he's been preaching? Some of you people were not born. He should say, I have preached all the way. But he continues to preach because we must be reminded. That is why in this scripture, he said, God has said it once. But we have heard it twice or even more that power belongs to God. It is settled. It is incontestable. There is no argument about it. You know, in, in, in the laws, and you know the law that our nations use, they were all derived from the Bible. And so when scripture says that by the testimony of two or three people, a case is established, this is what it means. God has said it, and twice we have heard it, the case is settled. The power belongs to God. So evidence or reminders are seen in Genesis chapter 1. When he talks about God created the world. And he created by his word. He said, let there be and there was. That is power. If that is not power, then tell me what power is. You know, you see the Supreme Court judges. You see how they are sitting. And when they make a ruling, that ruling becomes law. And it is written. It is not the human. They, they themselves sitting down there who are so strong and can. No, 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 no. It is their word 
which has been put out. That is power. And if you want to challenge it, you go and do one of those things they call contemptuous act and see. That is where you will see very bold men appear before Justice Atuguba and, and, they, and they are shaking like uh, school children before headmaster. That is power. And it was God's word that he used to create. And who has an idea how many living things are in the world? Who knows? Who knows? No idea. Very good. I just googled it. 8.7 million species. There are 8.7 million species. Even that one, if you read the account, there's been debate. It started from 30 million. Then it came to then But assuming without admitting both said 8.7 million. So it is by the word of God when he said, let there be that all these eight point and each of them is intricate by itself. It has maybe some blood, it has some eyes, it has a way of hearing. It is a complicated, full species. That is a demonstration of how powerful God is. Or how powerful the word of God is. That is it. So we see his power first in creation in creating, in bringing into being those things that are not, brings them into being. And it doesn't bring them into being sweating or going to school to learn engineering or biology or whatever. No. He just picks it and it happens. If that is not power, then show me what it is. The other thing is, you all know about force. What force do you think is holding a world in place? Have any idea? Me standing here, I weigh just about 70 kilograms. If you go into the, if you just Google force holding the world, it is into 10 to the power 24. So me, I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't call the number. Something, 5 point something times 10 to the power 24. It means that the zeros alone are how many? After the number, if it was my weight, 70 kilos, the zeros behind are 24. You know what power, what, what, what that power is? You, you can't imagine. That is just in human terms how we may attempt to even quantify. I say attempt. Uh, those of you who are growing and writing uh, exams and things, there are some examinations when they set the questions, they don't say choose some, they say attempt all. Uh, who has seen some before? Uh -huh. They say attempt all. They know. <laughs> they know you can. <laughs> you can answer all. So they have been magnanimous enough to tell you in advance that uh, you you attempt all. 
Is that okay? So, that thing about whatever number times 10 to the 24 is only a human attempt to quantify the power of God. But indeed and in truth, the power of God is beyond human understanding. It's beyond human, uh, what humans can write. You understand? So, if that is 10 to the 24 kilo newtons or whatever, holding the earth, you want to joke with this power? You want to doubt about this power? Certainly not. Not, not you here. So that is the power of creation, the power to sustain, to hold the earth in place. Okay? Now, that power is also seen in the things that God, you know, those of you who are computer people, you can do and undo. So if you go to the undo side of the power of God, just give you a few examples. In 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, from verse 11, he says, and, and before that verse, the, uh, Peter had been making a very sound argument before the verse 11 of 2 Peter um, chapter 3. There have been arguments, false teachers, uh, doubting certain things and arguing about certain things. And Peter here was telling them that, look, what you are saying, that is nothing. Now see, so in prior verses, Peter has described that God's judgment will come in his perfect timing with massive and catastrophic, and I now add, and thermodynamic force. Uh, in school, I used to be an authority in engineering thermodynamics. Uh, any engineers here? Uh, engineering thermodynamics. Yes, yes, yes. Peter was telling them that, look, what you are saying, you are deceiving the people. There will be a time, and it will be God's own time, not what people think or people say or predict or even prophesy. There will be God's time when all these things we see will melt away with fervent heat and by catastrophic destruction. So, by that description, I have put in the thermodynamic power. Because Peter says that they will melt as if you have put your pomade or your cream in fire. It, it will melt with fervent heat, catastrophic dis dis destruction. And then he goes on to say, here Peter is asking you to consider what that means for your life right now. Since we have seen how by God's power he created, but we are also seeing how by God's power he will destroy this fallen world and all the things that are in it. And therefore, Peter's argument to you, which I, I put to you, is that from knowing this, how should you live your life even now in anticipation and in preparation towards that time? So, the false teachers have been saying, Christ will not return, so there will be no judgment. And if that was true, they suggest, why not indulge in immorality? Why not resist our passionate uh, desires? Uh, why should we resist our passionate desires? 
uh, if God does not really care, then, then uh, there will be no consequence for our sins in any case. That was the argument of the false teachers. So, Peter insists, and I also hereby insist, that God and his fiery judgment will arrive. It's a matter of time. At a certain time, T, that judgment will arrive. And you don't want to joke with that power. Because it's a consuming fire. And depending on which side of the line you are, the consumption is different. You know, in the burning bush, the bush was burning, but the bush was not being consumed. If, depending on which side of the, the line you are, the fire could be consuming and everything else, but you will not be consumed. If you are on the wrong side of the line, the fire will be the type that consumes and consumes. Amen. So Peter insists that no, you can't behave that way. So you have to take a decision that God's judgment will arrive. And it will arrive with power that you, you will make a You can't say, I don't know about it. The day of the Lord will happen and everything will be destroyed. If that is true, how should we live right now, today, and going forward? How should we live while the sky is still blue? Because the sky on that day, if you have read some, some of the the apocalyptic scriptures, uh, a pastor will tell you that the, the sun will lose its shine. The, 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 the cloud, the atmosphere will be dark. So the question is, how should we live while the, the sky is still looking beautiful and blue like this? There's an account of a day in, in the history of the United Kingdom he woke up one day, and the whole place was gloomy, dark. The, the sun was not shining. And then, then there was confusion. Those who knew scripture began to say that, hey, this is the end. The end has come. Some said, ah, but the end, without warning, and people were searching scriptures. Some said, that is the end. That's what the Bible said. And that day, their parliament was supposed to sit. So they were deciding whether they should sit because, look, the end has come. So what we are going to sit? So some said there was no need sitting. We should just... And then I think their speaker said something profound. He said, you know what? Let us sit and do our job. What should happen is that it will be good for the end to come and meet us doing our work. Very profound, isn't it? So, we believers, whether the signs we are seeing and the things we are hearing are the time, end of the times or not, the end should come and meet us doing as the Lord has commanded. Amen. But it will surely come. It's a question of time. Time T. Peter says that there is only one answer. 
The answer is the opposite of what the false prophets were saying. By this, Peter means that we must set aside or continue to set aside or continue working to set aside. Listen, the repetition is for a purpose. That we must set aside or continue to set aside or continue working to set aside every kind of sinful or immoral lifestyle. It's not just a question of what we should do with our bodies. It is a question of who we are. It's a matter of what kind of people we should be. And as revealed in First Peter, we are told that we are a holy people, which means that we have been set apart and that we should live accordingly. We have, to, we have been set apart by God for himself and for his purpose. That is why we must live holy life. We must make difference in the choices we make from what the unbelievers around us do, our words and even our thoughts. And it's not about self-improvement or self-righteous keeping rules. It's about living as God's people on a fallen planet with limited time before God's destruction arrives. With limited time before God's destruction arrives. That is what it means. Now, you see, I'm not even talking about the power. It is more about what we do. Our response to that knowledge that the power of God creates. But it is also there to bring judgment and destruction. If I stop at this point, if you understand these two points, then it is only probably one more that I will make, and then I, I should obey the time rule so that next time, uh, Pastor will ask me to come again. Amen. Amen. So, the power of God is there to help us, and in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, he says that, Behold, I give you authority and power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and physical and mental strength and ability over the power of that, uh, uh, that, that the enemy possesses. And nothing shall by any means harm you. That is the power you have been given. That is the power. So it's not enough to know about the power or hear about the power of God. But the, the sweetness of the pudding is in the eating. The, the effectiveness of the power is in your encounter with it. And what you appropriate and use the power for. And here, that is what Jesus said. And you have been given power to trample upon serpents and to overcome every manner of evil. That is who you are. Say amen. It is also the power to save. Now, I know you sitting here, a lot of you are second or even some third generation Christians. It means that your father or your mother have been Christians and perhaps your father's father or father's mother or grandparents have been Christians. So you are third generation. So you, even at the time you were born, just like uh, pastor and his people, professional brothers, 
they, they, will in, they will vaccinate their children against six killer diseases. I don't know whether the seventh one has come. You know, they will, they will vaccinate them. So some of you, by virtue of your parentage, you were born in a place where you were virtually vaccinated with the word of God. So you didn't have the chance to become die-hearted criminals. So when the power of God that saved you, saved you, there was no drama in it. Hey, but there are people, eh, the, kind of, uh, the, the kind of people they were, when they were being saved, it had to be dramatic. Uh, you know about Reverend Ifiranava. Good. When he was in Form 5, I was in Form 1, secondary school. He was not a born-again believer. Look, in his room, the SU boys there. You, uh, SU people come here, then you brush their faces. Now, the one he used to brush his face became the vice president of the SU when I was the president. Now, that man is an Assemblies of God pastor, one of the immediate past regional superintendents. Now, he's teaching at the Northern Ghana Bible School. So, he and his student are now... <laughs> look, Reverend Eastwood, after O-level in Bolgatanga Secondary, he was not born again. He came to Presec here. Reverend uh, uh, Archbishop Duncan Williams went to Presec to preach. That's where Eastwood gave his life to Christ. So, when he came back to the school and said he wanted to preach to the SU people, come, come and see. We said, this man... Don't, don't let him come here. Like Paul. We said, this man, he's coming here to beat us. He's coming to brush our faces. It took time and convincing before we allowed him to preach. So, if the word of God can change somebody like this, I know you won't appreciate it because, as I said, you were vaccinated and inoculated with the gospel, because your father, your mother, your grandfather and mother were also Christian. So the environment itself brought itself. <laughs> Amen. But those who knew none of this and had to meet the gospel and the power thereof, they have to tell you their story. You remember Paul himself on the Damascus Road, what he met? You ask him when we get to heaven. You ask him, that, uh, uh, Uncle Paul, uh, 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 Grandpa Paul. Tell us again. How, how did they? <laughs> he said it was like lightning. He fell to the ground. I cannot pray. And when he got up, he was not the same again. Amen. So that word of God, the power includes power to save. Amen. So if you have a friend, now it's injury time, isn't it? Two minutes. Or oh, the injury time is also finished. Hey. So if you have a friend who is hardened or a relative, just give the word of God and leave the word of God. As I was coming, I stopped at the ATM to take some money. And there was a small queue. A lady finished. There was a gentleman. I asked him to go ahead. He said, no. Uh, oh, sorry. You are going to church, so uh, go first. So I went first. When I finished, I said, uh-huh. Then, oh, he's driving a nice car. And I was here, jeans, 
Then for about 30 seconds, he couldn't remember his church, the name of his church. But he remembered his pin number to go and take the money. I told him that, hey, 2021, he's not a small boy. He's probably older than me or my age. I said, now you think that word I spoke is for nothing. One day, we might be meeting that man in heaven, if not somewhere here, and you say that somebody at an ATM commanded him. No, I am saying that because of the power that is in the word of God, which he has put in our mouths. And in, 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 in about, uh, is it uh, Psalm 8 verse 2, he says, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast ordained strength because of the enemy, that thou might steal the enemy and the avenger. God has put power in your lips. Say amen. God has put power in your tongue. And you need to speak and it will be done. Let me now conclude. Even though I haven't finished. I'll, give, I'll go and modify the script and give it to uh, 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 Pastor Prince. This must lead you to a certain posture and attitude. You know, Paul himself had to say in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, that that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformable unto his death. Amen. It must lead you to that conclusion of Paul that you may know him and that you may, and the power of his resurrection power which is time 10 to the 24 at least by human reckoning you want to know that power the fellowship of his suffering and that you will conform to his death, the death of this human nature and taking on the new one which is of Christ, amen amen that is what it must lead you to now let me finish by reading a very interesting account uh, those of you who have the Gideon's Bible, they have put a statement, a very powerful statement of what the word of God is. And I, I read that, and then we, we pray. The Bible, its opponents have tried, to, have, have tried to prove it to be false and to destroy it. Its true believers have staked their lives on it. And have believed it. This content infuriates many among the cultural elite. Why does this book cause so much passionate reaction? Now the Bible, it is because, and this is what the junior people say, the Bible contains the mind of God. It tells of the state of man. It is the way of salvation. And it proclaims the doom of sinners. And the happiness of believers. His doctrines are holy. His precepts are binding. His histories are true. And his decisions are immutable. They can't be destroyed. Please read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe. And practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you. Food to support you. 
and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. And I have heard you people read the word and read a charter. You couldn't be in the wrong place. Say hallelujah. Here too, heaven is open and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is his grand subject and our good is designed and the glory of God is and it should fill your memory, it should rule your heart, it should guide your feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It's a mine of wealth and a paradise of glory and a river of pleasure. It is given to you in life. It will be open before you at judgment. And, and, and it will be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility. It rewards the labor and will condemn all who triple with its command. He is in fact the only one through whom mankind can acquire redemption and have relationship with God the Father. If you are here and you don't know Christ, you don't know this God, if you are here and you are here because, well, that your father or your mother are the ones who want to, shall we be on our feet? If you have been in this youth church because that, that is what your family says. Every Sunday you have to come to church. And you have to be involved in church anyway. If you have not come to the point of giving your life to Christ, you want to do that today. Because the power of God, you don't want to joke with this power I'm talking about. It's a consuming power. And it's a power that you can't imagine. Thermodynamic power. Hydrostatic power. The civil engineers will tell you. You want, to, you want to pray to God. You, you want to solemnly, and, 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 and I have no doubts that all of you, all of you are already Christian. But if that is the case, you want to do a rededication of yourself. Now knowing that all these things will be destroyed, knowing that the power of God is so mind-blowing, it must lead to one or two conclusions. It must lead to one of the conclusions that, look, we can't joke with this God anymore. So if you have been joking with your Christian life, you know, if you have other things that are actually of more importance to you than your Christian life or your relationship with Christ, then having heard about the power of God and the nature thereof, you ought to reconsider how you relate, how in your scheme of rankings, where you put your relationship with God. Shall we pray? You want to pray, rededicate your life to God, you want to recommit eh, that you will serve him and that you want to know that, that you may know him and know this power, encounter this power. Shall we pray? 
In the name of Jesus, Father, we pray. In the name of Jesus, Father, we pray. people. Oh, Father, you will that build. the power be made clear and we may know you. And the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your this morning. May our mind's eyes be clear. May our eyes be open. In the name of Jesus. May our spirit man of God be aware and active. In the mighty name of Jesus this morning. As of God, you have released of God to us the insight of your word. That your power is, is creative. From that your word is creative. That your word is powerful to create. And this same word will destroy all that there is. Oh God, knowing this, that there is a dreadful day ahead of us, we pray in Jesus' name that you will help us, oh God, to know, to live for you, to live holy, to stand for you, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Oh God, holy and righteousness, let righteousness be our watchword. Let holiness of God be who we are. In the name of Jesus of God. In all that we do. In all that we do. In all that we do. Let it be your God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh God. Now say this after me. It is my determined purpose. It is my determined purpose. That I may know him. That I may know him. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately, and intimately acquainted, acquainted with, with him. him. Perceiving and recognizing. Perceiving and recognizing. And understanding the wonders. And understanding the wonders. Of his person. Of his person. More strongly. More strongly. And more clearly. And more clearly. And that I may. And that I may in the same way in the same way come to know come to know the power 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 outflowing from his resurrection outflowing from his resurrection the power outflowing from his resurrection the power outflowing from his resurrection exerts over believers which it exerts over believers which it exerts over me which it exerts over me that I may also, that I may also share in his suffering, share in his suffering, as to be continually transformed, as to be continually transformed in spirit, in spirit, into his likeness, into his likeness, even to his death, even to his death, in the hope, with the hope of his coming, of his coming. Philippians three, ten. Amen. 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 Give a clap unto the Lord. Lord have a bow, Sahara.